We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. We need to remember this Christmas story really is very simple. God chose to send his son so that he could die for you and me. He rose again on the third day and through him we find salvation. And that is the essence of the Christmas story. Luke records it a different way and we're going to get there in just a moment. But you know, when we think about this season, there's a lot of folks even yet today who are looking for some good news during this season. There's a lot of folks yet today looking for good tidings during the season. Maybe some of you even this morning and those of you watching online are searching for your Christmas miracle. For that encounter with God that has the potential to completely and totally revolutionize your life. Maybe you're fed up with the mundaneness. Maybe you're fed up with the humdrum of life every day. And you're looking to the sky. You're searching for a star that can bring hope and a future to you even yet today. Well, the great thing is that is the essence of the Christmas story. Before we turn to Luke chapter 1 begin reading that scripture, realize that for 400 years there had been no voice from God. There had been no prophet, no priest. No king, no judge, no ambassador to speak for God to the Israeli and the Jewish people. 400 years of absolute silence. And when you read the history surrounding that period of time, you'll know for the first 100 years they were under the rule of Persia. Persia really allowed the Jews to worship as they chose and desire. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They even rebuilt the temple during that time. And that first hundred years was really pretty peaceful for the Jewish people. But then came the Greeks, and they ruled over Jerusalem. And after them came the Romans, and they ruled over Israel. And it was under the Roman rule that Jesus Christ was born. It was under the Roman rule that he was tried in a kangaroo court and crucified on a Roman cross. So the last 300 years had been a time of peril, a time of great personal risk for the Jewish people. And it's in this climate, in this political and social climate, in a climate of great disrest, in a time of great uncertainty, that God chose to speak peace to his people and send the Holy One of Israel, whose name is Jesus Christ. It was in that point in time that God chose to invade the ordinary mundane things of their lives. Now you need to understand, this wasn't the first time that God chose to invade the ordinary. You can read back through the Old Testament. He found Abram in Ur of the Chaldees and he said, if you will follow me, I will make you the father of a mighty nation. And you know that story and how it ended. He found Jacob. One night, asleep by his campfire, that deceiver and liar, and he wrestled with him all night and changed his name to Israel and blessed him. And you know how that story ends. In Judges chapter 6, he found a guy by the name of Gideon who was being oppressed by the enemies of Israel. So much so that he found himself in a pit in the ground, a wine press, grinding enough wheat to make bread for his family that day. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, you're going to deliver Israel. And I can almost see Gideon saying, who, me? You must be talking to somebody else. I don't fit that description. Oh, listen to me. So many times we allow ourselves to be disqualified from what God wants to do in us and through us because we think we're just ordinary. 
We think that we don't measure up. We don't have what it takes. May I tell you this morning that God doesn't necessarily call the equipped, but he always equips the called. And you may be a Gideon. You may be an Abram. You may be a Jacob. You may be a Mary that God wants to lay his hand on this morning. And in the midst of your everyday life, in the midst of the humdrum, in the midst of the ordinary, he wants to tell you he has a plan for your life. Look at it, verses 26 through 28 of Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, and you need to underline these words in your Bible. I love this. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Rejoice, highly favored one. Now look at the setting of the scripture. It says that Gabriel came to a city in, named Nazareth in Galilee. There was nothing remarkable about Nazareth. Matter of fact, if you know your Bible history, you'll know that Nazareth was not even mentioned in the entirety of the Old Testament. It was an inconsequential place. It was insignificant. It was a one-stop sign town that people just passed right on through. You know what I mean? Some of you are from those kinds of places, and because of your history, because of your roots, because of your beginning, you have disqualified yourself from the plan of God. I've come to tell you this morning, God loves to find people in places like Nazareth and raise them up and pour his favor out upon them and use them to build and expand the kingdom of God, not just in Nazareth, but around the world. I mean, think about it, Nazareth. We can almost say it this way. Well, Gabriel appeared in Crawfordville. Gabriel appeared in Monticello. Gabriel showed up at Greensboro. That's the kind of city this was. It was inconsequential. You passed it by. It was of no consequence or significance whatsoever. But there, God chose to reveal his plan. Matter of fact, Nathaniel, you remember Nathaniel? When Jesus came into public ministry, Nathaniel said in John chapter 1, verse 46, Can anything good come from Nazareth? That was the perception and the attitude toward this city in the day of Jesus Christ. It's just of no value whatsoever. So it was an ordinary town, and he appeared to an ordinary young woman. When I read the story of Mary, I realize that she obviously didn't have great beauty like Esther of old, who was the most beautiful woman in the entire kingdom of Persia and became the queen of Persia. She didn't have that kind of beauty. When I read the story of Esther, I realized she wasn't like Ruth the Moabitess, who said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, I'm going to follow you. Wherever you go, I'm going to go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you live, I'm going to live. And where you die, I'm going to die. She didn't have the dedication of Ruth. When I read the story of Mary, it's very obvious she didn't have the courage of Rahab. Rahab, the woman who in the city of Jericho made a place for Joshua's spies so that they would be protected and not killed and then was spared. And this is what I really love. Both Ruth and Rahab found themselves in the lineage of the Messiah because of their courage and their dedication to the people of God. That's great stuff. Amen. Mary didn't have those attributes. We don't read of her being extremely beautiful or overly intelligent. We don't read of her having great courage or dedication. 
Matter of fact, in all likelihood, her education was quite poor, if any at all. In all likelihood, she was nothing more than an ordinary teenage girl living in Nazareth. A girl who had already been betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. And in that culture, at 14 years of age, an arranged marriage was put in place. She continued to live with her family for yet another year before the actual marriage ceremony. And she moved in with Joseph after being married. But during that year's period of time, she was considered his wife. And listen, any act of unfaithfulness was considered adultery in that culture, in that place, and in that time. And everybody knows the penalty for adultery, right? It was death by stoning. So Mary, there was really nothing very spectacular about her except what the Scripture says. And I love what the Scripture says. Read it one more time in verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. You know, when I think about all the things that I need, all the things that I want, all the things that I desire from God the Father, there's one that stands out, and that's I want to be like Mary. I want God to say, my favor is upon your life, because God's favor unlocks God's blessing. God's favor brings God's presence. God's favor brings hope and promise, even in hopeless situations where we can't see the sun, God's favor sees us through. I love that. It says you are highly favored. Maybe the best way to define favor is demonstrated delight. Demonstrated delight. I love that definition. Matter of fact, it can also be described as tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. I want some of that. Can you say amen? I want there to be tangible evidence in my life that I'm living under the approval of God, the favor of the Most High God. When you and I favor someone, we want to be around them. We want to spend time with them. We want to connect with them. We want them to be a part of our lives. Can I tell you the same is true of God? When God favors us, He wants to be around us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to be a part of our lives every single day. Matter of fact, Isaiah 66, 2 says, These are the ones that I look upon with favor. Those who who are humble and a contrite in spirit, who tremble at my word. God's looking for folks who understand he's the big deal, not me. Can you say amen? He's the reason we rejoice, not me. It's not about the size of the gift you buy your family. It's about the size of the gift you give your family in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or the greatest thing you can do is introduce them to the favor of God and help them to understand as Mary was highly favored, you can be highly favored today as well and live in the shadow and the presence of the Almighty. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. The word perfect literally means those who seek his favor. Oh, can I challenge you? Can I encourage you this morning? Before you ask anything else, ask for favor. 
Ask for God's favor to rest upon your life. His favor will open doors for you. His favor will give you audience you would never get by yourself. His favor will supersede your education or your position or your wealth or your riches when you walk in the favor of God. Mary was an ordinary girl, but the angel Gabriel said, you are highly favored. I want some of that this morning. I want some of God's high favor to rest in upon my life. Being favored of God means that we literally know God is with us. We understand that even in difficult circumstances, it's going to be okay. Isn't that what Paul wrote in Romans 8, 28? For we know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, to those who are the called according to his purpose. We understand that. Psalm 34, 15 tells us if we hang in there and remain firm, God brings us through that place of reward because of his favor. The way we obtain God's favor is simply to seek him. Now, remember I said a few moments ago it had been 400 years of silence. No prophet, no priest, no king, no judge, no word from God. 400 years of silence. But somehow in that spiritual vacuum. Mary chose to seek God. Oh, listen to me. Somebody needs to hear this today. Whether you're in this room or whether you're watching right now, you need to hear and understand your life may be difficult. It may feel like the heavens are brass and you're not hearing the voice of God, but your responsibility is not to turn and walk away. Your responsibility is to run towards him, seek him, receive the favor of God saying, even if I don't hear you, I know you're still there. Even if I can't feel you, I know you're still present. And I need the favor of God in my life. Somebody needs to apply that this Christmas season. The favor of God and the way we retain it is to seek him. Proverbs 8.35 says, those who find me find life. And I love the last, receive favor from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want some favor. When I do the hoka hey, I want some favor from God. When I'm sleeping on the ground, I want some favor from God. My wife really wants me to have some favor from God in that instance and circumstance. Pray more for her than you do for me. She's not real certain about this thing. But God's going to give us favor, amen? Psalm 512 says, Surely the Lord will bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as a shield. Oh, do you know what a shield does? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, it quenches every fiery dart of the enemy. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time to be surrounded with favor. It's time to be surrounded with favor that sets the enemy at bay, that lets us stand in a position understanding my God is able, my God is mighty, my God is working in my behalf. Even if I don't see it, even if I'm in the dark, the daylight is coming and God is at work in my life. That's what favor does for you. Oh, you need to understand we are crazy favored in this place. We are favored in this place. Oh, folks, it's time to stop looking at what we don't have and start looking at what we do have. We are surrounded with folks who love the Lord Jesus Christ, who want to reach a city for Him. Yes, I want the building to be full, but until it's full, and I'm going to keep saying it, it's going to be full, but until it's full, I'm going to say, God, surround us with favor. Surround us with favor. Come on, put favor as a shield around us, and let us advance in the cause of Jesus Christ. 
Finding favor with the Lord keeps our lives and our thoughts pure because we desire to please Him and serve Him. And when that happens, it enables us to make the right choices to advance the kingdom of God. Hebrews 11.25, speaking of Moses, says, He chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, Moses was surrounded by favor. And he understood it wasn't about living in the Pharaoh's mansion. It was about being the deliverer for his people who are living in oppression. The same can be said of us when we are surrounded with the favor of God, we can stand firm and stand fast and know that God is going to do a good thing in our lives. How do we walk into that favor as Mary did? Well, a lot of it has to do with our expectations. What do you expect to receive from God? What kind of relationship do you expect to have with Him? If we expect the worst, that's probably what we're going to get. If we expect a little, that's probably what we're going to get. Anne said it just a little while ago, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to understand when faith arises through his word in our heart, our expectation level begins to rise as well. I'm not looking at an empty building. I'm looking at a full building. I'm not looking at lack of finances. I'm looking at plenty. Oh, come on, somebody. Our expectation level needs to rise. And when it does... The favor of God begins rising in our hearts and in our lives. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Can I challenge you to change your expectations this morning? Let God raise that level of expectation and grow in his favor. And the amazing thing is, when you're in God's favor, you're in man's favor as well. When you're in God's favor, God opens doors for you. God provides opportunities to you. God provides resources in your path that enables you to continue moving in the favor of God and be able to say, I live in the favor of the Most High God. I'm His son. I'm His daughter. And I live in that favor. So what does that favor look like for us today? The angel Gabriel said to Mary, you are highly favored. So what does that look like for us today? Psalm 103 gives us a great definition. Verses 2 through 6 and 17 and 18, don't put it on the screen. Just write that down and read it later, okay? Psalm 103, 2 through 6 and 17 and 18. Put it in your notes, read it this afternoon. This is what we should expect when we live in favor. Number one, and somebody better say amen, God forgives our sins. Amen. God forgives our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Secondly, heals our diseases. I sent my word and healed them. He redeems us from destruction. Fear not, for I am with you. I have called you by thy name. Thou art mine. When you walk through the waters, you'll not be overcome. When you pass through the fires, you're not going to be burned. Oh, come on, somebody. He redeems us from destruction. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, surely goodness and mercy, they're going to follow me, not just today and not just tomorrow, but they're going to follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. He provides health and He provides strength. He gives justice when we're oppressed. He extends righteousness, not only to us, but to our children. 
Aren't you glad, my friend, that every generational curse can be broken when you and I stand in the favor of God and those coming after me can know His blessing, can know His grace, can know His mercy, can see firsthand, this is what the God I serve can do. Come on! There is favor to our children when we stand in that place with Him. And that just begins to scratch the surface of what God's favor does for you and me. What a pronouncement that the angel made to Mary. You are highly favored. Highly favored. I read that verse again this morning. And God begins saying, if there's one thing I want you to tell the church this morning, it's that they need to seek my favor. For it's in my favor they find grace. They find mercy. They find hope. They find help. They find provision. Oh, folks, come on. Quit looking to the right and to the left and look up. Because there is favor in the Lord Jesus Christ. Favor, just an ordinary Jewish girl. Nothing remarkable about her. She wasn't overly pretty. She wasn't educated. She wasn't full of courage. But the Bible says she was highly favored. Oh, hear me. I can put up with this broken down old body. I can put up with looking at this old wrinkled face in the mirror every morning. As long as I know the favor of God rests upon my life. As long as I know my God is watching over me and caring for me. And he's put me in a place where I am surrounded by his favor. Oh, we need to understand the favor of God. It's a powerful concept told in the Christmas story. If there's one thing I want you to grasp, to hang on to, to walk out of this place with this morning, it's the fact that God loves you and God favors you. You have not been forgotten. You have not been passed over. You may be from Abilene, Texas. God knows that's a God-forsaken place. You may be from Panacea, Florida. Who's ever heard of that? I can't even spell it, let alone say it. It doesn't matter your beginnings. When you come to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you become highly favored and blessed among all the people. Oh, somebody, would you just throw up your hands and give him praise because he has chosen to favor you today. Stand to your feet and give him praise. Tom, come back and give him praise because he has chosen to favor you today. He has chosen to lay his hand upon you. He has chosen to say you are blessed and highly favored. You may be an ordinary person, but I've come to tell you, you're a son and you're a daughter of the king and the favor of God rests upon your life and you have reason today to rejoice as Mary rejoiced because she was highly favored. Highly favored. Highly favored. Highly favored. Joseph was an ordinary guy. Nothing special about him. Stay on your feet. I'm wrapping it up. Nothing special about him. Matter of fact, by birth, because his dad was a carpenter, he was going to be a carpenter. He was not rich. He was not wealthy. He was not a person of prestige, position, or influence. He was just an ordinary man. But there was one thing he may have even forgotten that God didn't forget. And God didn't forget that 900 years previous, there was a man in his lineage whose name was David. 
And that, that guy, Joseph, was a descendant of David. And the scripture tells us the Christ child would come through the lineage of David. Oh, hear me. You may have forgotten who you are. You may be burdened down with the problems of today. You may be oppressed by society. You may be laboring under unemployment. But I've come to tell you, you need to remember who you are. You're a son of the king. You're a daughter of God. You're blessed and highly favored. There is no one, no one that can deny you of that. What did Peter say? You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you're the people of God. You were once in darkness, but now you're in his marvelous light. Oh, we are highly favored. Highly favored. Highly favored. Come on, oh, come let us adore him. I want you to sing that out this morning. This is the response. If you're in this room this morning and you're fighting and you need to know that God is surrounding you with his favor, then as they begin to sing, you step out and come. We're going to pray for you. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, or you've turned your back and walked away from Him, step out and come. We're going to pray for you. God's going to meet you. As they begin to sing, oh, come let us adore Him. I want it to rise up in your spirit. Devil, you need to know who I am. I am. I am blessed, and I am highly favored. I am blessed, and I am highly favored. If God can save that I'm married. He's saying it to me today because I'm a son or I'm a daughter of the king. Come on, sing it out. And you come. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com